Hopefully, hopefully the songs woke you up. I, hopefully I won't put you to sleep. <laughs> so, oh. You guys have a good week? Yes. Huh? Good. Good to see some snow. I, I was super excited. <laughs> I was done with the 80 degree weather already. So, <laughs> um, but it has been a really good week. You know. Well, thank you all for for being here. Sam saying yeehaw and y'all. Oh no, better. <laughs> Say what? I saw the light. I saw. There we go. See, I, that's weird, man. I thought Crowder re remade that. And to hear that people didn't know I saw the light, that's that's hmm, that's strange, but it happens. Yeah, there's music out there that I don't know about. So, but thank thank you all for for being here today as we as we get to gather before the Lord and we sing His praises, you know, and we get to open up His Word and know Him more and more, <clears throat> and to be cut through by the Scripture to be renewed in our minds. You know, that is a, an awesome blessing, right? As, as people, as, as set-apart people, as, as saints, right? You ever think of yourself as, you know, if some apostle, not that there are any, you know, <laughs> clarification, but the saints of Simla, you know, if we had a letter written to us, you know, have you ever thought about that, that you're, you're a saint, you're set-apart, Right? by God's Son's sacrifice. And we are able, therefore, to gaze at the character and nature of God and be changed, to be made anew because we are new creations in Christ Jesus, whose blood has washed us clean. And now in this, now in this new state, we get to walk with the Lord you know, and to know Him and to take that knowledge forward. You know, A.W. Tozer said this once, that the most important thing about us is this, what comes to our mind when we think about God. Well, why, why, why does that matter so much? A.W. Tozer, if you don't know, was a pastor, a theologian. He wrote a lot of books. If you want to check out one from my library, you're more than welcome to. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good quote because it's a good question. Why does it matter so much? Well, because how we view God impacts us so much. It impacts our whole lives. It affects how we treat other people and even how we view ourselves. And then I thought, well, hey, let's take this to the extreme, right? You know, let's take it to two extremes. Well, let's look at these two effects, you know. Hey, me and R.C. Sproul apparently we're on the same page. You know, how how do these worldviews affects affect us? Well, one is evolution. Evolution tells us that we came out of chaos and death. We were born from struggle, and upon millions of years, something came from nothing. With this worldview, there is nothing outside of what we see, taste, touch, and hear and smell. There is no purpose. There is no right and wrong. Meaning is made up, and the horrors that humanity do to one another will never be made right, because there is no justice. Then take the other one, creation, or creationism. We were made on the sixth day. 
in the image and likeness of God. Both male and female, God created us. Fixed for roles as head and helper. Unique, able to reason, build and fill the creation together. He gave us marriage and a mandate to fill. He gave us this. As he spoke, ex nihilio, there's your Latin phrase of the day, which means creation out of nothing happened. God gave us mission and purpose, and he alone is the source of truth, justice, and the measure of life. Which means this, we, we fell from order to chaos. We fell into death. <clears throat> there is right and wrong. And all the wrongs will stand before God. And all the horrors that we have unleashed upon each other will stand before God and receive justice. True, holy justice, which is something a lot of people don't actually want. The Bible gives us a worldview which is hope-filled because it deals with our broken reality with truth and grace. It not only tells us our problem, right? You like that, right? When someone tells you your problem and then they just walk off. Well, no, it, not, it doesn't just do that. It gives us the solution to our problem. The unique Son of God, Jesus Christ. The last week, as we started looking at the prayer of Jonah, welcome, Jonah. <laughs> Different guy, right? <laughs> A couple thousand years apart from each other. We saw that he cried out to the Lord in his distress. And the truth stood out from the text that Jonah spoke, and God not only listened, but he answered as well, right? That was pretty awesome to look at. Well, now as we look at the rest of the prayer of Jonah, we see his hope, which is a living God, a God who brings salvation. Well, let's uh, open with a word of prayer. <coughs> My Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the moisture that we so desperately need. We thank you for the, the beauty of even our, our drive in the morning yesterday. Just, it was beautiful to see all the snow, to see the wildlife, to, to see your creative order. We thank you so much for, for the truth and for, for grace. We thank you that we can gather together and, and sing your praises and to, to know you more by opening up your word and being, being pierced through. I pray for us here that as, as we come to your word that we would set aside all of our worries, all the different things going on, all, all the different life changes happening and, and coming, Lord, that we would, we would fix upon you and know that you are God. That we would know that we can hand things over to you and, and to just trust you, Lord. And how, how wonderful that is to be 
in your will, to know that we are purposed, that we have mission, and that we can do it together even if we are physically apart from one another, but that we can hear, be here and gather here. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, please, uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 2. tediously small prophet books that you keep on passing through, right? But you'll get there. (laughs) I will read uh, read verse 6 as we continue the prayer of Jonah. At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Jonah knew death was here, right? Along with judgment, as we saw in the last verses last week. And Jonah faced it, right? He said, throw me into the sea. He hadn't tried to run anymore. He now turned to the Lord. Jonah's wayward rebellion had had caused him distress from the storm to the flood and even to the fish. He thought he was finished, buried, and dead. It totally makes you think about the state of all humanity. That's what we are, apart from God. If you want to turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, We'll read over there. Well, Paul writes this in verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You see, being apart from God, we are dead. But in Him, hidden in Him, resting in Him, resting in the finished work of His Son upon the cross, no longer walk in that course. We're no longer about our passions of the flesh, our desires, because in that state we were children of wrath. But to those who receive the Lord Jesus, they are given the right to become the children of God, right? John 1, 12. In the world we are tempted. Right? James tells us this in his letter that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire and then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it has fully grown brings forth, brings forth death. In this world we still deal with temptation and sin. You know, in Christ Jesus, we are first and foremost 
saved from the penalty of sin, we no longer face judgment, wrath, and hell. Right in Christ Jesus, there is no longer condemnation, right? As Paul says. And as we await the Lord, as we await eternity, we struggle here and now with the power of sin. You know, this made me think about Romans 6, right? Romans 6, 1 says this. Paul asks a question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we to walk away from the Lord with this thought in our minds that, well, this will make grace abound? I don't, I don't think Jonah did that, but Paul was dealing with people that were thinking that way. Paul tells us, by no means, right? May it never be. Don't think like that. How, because of this, right? How can we who died to sin still live in it? As, as believers, whether those be the Israelite believers looking forward, right? They looked forward to the cross and forward to the Messiah. They were to hope in that and to live differently. And just like us, the church, we are to look back at the cross and look to the Messiah who's coming back. We are to hope in that and to live differently because we have a living hope. Paul goes on in Romans. He says, For we know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See how we're no longer enslaved to sin. In Christ we have the ability to do this, to put down our sin and to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. The goal and the mission here and now in Christ is to do this, to not present your body, your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. We are no longer to be instruments of instruments of unrighteousness, but of righteousness. And that we would point others to the King who has set us free. But as, as we've you know, seen throughout biblical history and even as, you know, the, the big word that I say sometimes, even as dispensationalism, you know, the, how we grid the Bible and look at the history of the Bible shows us that every age ends in this. Every age ends in the failure of humanity and every age ends with showing the glory of God because of this fact. Because it is only by the grace and mercy of God that brings us to the other side of those ages. We see this in Jonah's prayer, right? We see that he found himself stuck, derailed, and distressed. Well, this can happen to us as well as we, as we walk, right? As we walk with the Lord, we are to not quench the Spirit. Which means we can even, as believers, grieve the Spirit, which we are not to do. We can do this when we are willingly walking into sin with our tempers, with our stone hearts. 
and even our unwillingness to go where he has called Jonah, right? We as believers are called to walk worthy of the calling by which we have been called. To give glory to God in whatever we do. This all matters because we give an account of our lives to the Lord. And where we will be like Him because we see Him as He is. And that, in part, shows us the last part of our, of our salvation, right? The salvation package is a three-part three plan, right? Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Where we are rescued from the very presence of sin. We no longer have to deal with it as we dwell with the Lord. Through it all, it's all upon the grace of God. He has started the good work and He will bring it to completion. The Lord is the one who will bring us out of the pit. Right? And as, as we've looked at the prayer of Jonah, it's the question always, the question always is, well, whom will we turn to? Whom will we turn to? Jonah continues his prayer in verse, verse 7 of chapter 2 saying this, when my life was fading away, I remember, bleh, remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Now just like we saw last week, Jonah called out to the Lord and he was heard. The part that, that stood out here today was that as Jonah's life was fading away, he remembered the Lord. And the, and the question right there, especially when you read it in the English, is, well, had he forgotten God? And this actually isn't about forgetting God. The, the word brings more about recall, of recalling something, bringing it to mind, as in to act upon it, which uh, the word is stated in, in Genesis 8.1 when the Lord remembered Noah. God hadn't forgotten about Noah, but he brought him to mind to take action and to make the flood dissipate. There we go. I'm like, what's the word? <laughs> go down, right? And turn off the water valve. But Jonah had wanted to forget God. He had tried to flee from the presence of the Lord, but how could he forget? He found he couldn't run far enough away, right? So he prayed to the Lord. Now, some would say that, well, that's that's because you know Jonah's culture. You know, Jonah's culture had taught him that, and and some would say that even well, the the Western culture too would be the same thing because this culture has been dipped into the Judeo-Christian worldview. But I, I looked at that and I was like, well, that's simply not true, because truth is truth, no matter where we grow up no matter what our culture deems to be true. Truth tells us, it reminds us constantly that there is a God, just as Jonah had said, right? He simply had stated to the sailors that the Lord is in heaven. He is the maker of the sea and the dry land. We see evidence of him wherever we turn. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. 
there is no speech where these nor are these words whose voice is not heard. And the heavens declare the handiwork of God. God. This knowledge, this speech informs everyone, just as, as we've seen in Romans. I feel like Romans 120 has come again and again as we've studied Jonah, but it states his in the Invisible attributes. I am tongue-tied today. <laughs> oh, man. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. They have the knowledge. We have the knowledge, and, and we all are without excuse. And we are to honor God as God. Now please turn your Bibles with me to Romans. Romans chapter 1. I'll read uh, verses 21 through 25. But Paul writes this. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, in dishonoring their bodies among themselves. <coughs> and with this knowledge we we have, humanity didn't didn't honor God, didn't give him thanks, and therefore became futile in our thinking. Humanity actually thinks it is it is wise, but has become fools in doing this and exchanging the glory of God for idols. We started worshiping the wrong things, so God gave us up to those lusts. And the drain of sin's slip and slide of Romans 1 continues and goes down into every kind of unrighteousness. And Jonah had run away. He had gone against the will and way of God, just like all of humanity has. But just like Jonah we can turn to the Lord because of the grace of God. He, he allows us to turn to Him, to cry out to Him in our time of need. The book of, Jonah's, book of Jonah records this in verses 8 and 9. I, I, I love these two verses. <laughs> they, these, were, these were cool. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their own, their, their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And Jonah knew idols were vain things, right? Now if you look up the, the definition of an idol today, you get this, an image or a representation of a god used as an object of worship. 
and we we view that as an idol today right these different religions you know different you know we i mean we rub the buddha but that is an idol you know by the way (laughs) it's it's a god it's a false deity you know but it's just fun to do as a kid in a chinese restaurant israel was told this you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make for yourselves a carven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. The people were not to seek to worship other things because there are no other things. There's only God. See, idols pointed to false gods. It is placing hope in something that is not real. And we can look through the religions of the world from paganism, witchcraft, cults, and occults. They worship false things. They point to false things, whether that be self or part of, a crea- part of creation or just merely being misled by the father of lies himself. It is all vain because of this and this this really stood out to me because they forsake the hope of steadfast love you know how amazing is that that the steadfast love is the one that tells us that there is only one way it tells us the truth that the life of Jesus is the perfect and holy life laid down for us And he alone is the way to the Father. Jesus brings us truth and grace, for it is under his name, by his name, under heaven, that man is saved. And we, as as the church, are to speak this in truth and love, right? But also realizing that the cross offends. We understand also that this world apart from God is not able to understand spiritual things nor accept them. That they need to come to the Lord to have that understanding. And Jonah's final words of prayer are thanksgiving and a vow. He had come a long way, right? Even in two chapters, he, he had run, ran. <laughs> He's not running anymore. He had feared. It cried out, and now he is thankful. Jonah's words end with this, salvation belongs to the Lord. He understands that God alone brings redemption to the world. The Lord had had said this to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. The Lord above will have mercy upon whom he will. And the servant, the prophet, who had run away, now saw that. Uh, Spoiler alert, we'll see later Jonah's reasoning, right? Because, oh, I knew, I knew you would do this. We'll get there. (laughs) And then verse 10 records this. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. 
It's my favorite passage to study. Oh. <laughs> this is not a potluck Sunday, right? Yeah, Jonah was heard. And then the Lord spoke to the fish, and the fish spewed up or disgorged. That was the coolest word I found this week. That was my word of the week. And disgorged is to spill out. So if you want to Google that one, it's, it's a fun. No. <laughs> Just don't click images. You'll be okay. Just definitions, okay? <laughs> The Lord had mercy upon Jonah. And he came to dry land. At the end of chapter 1, Jonah came with a statement, I fear the Lord, right? Now at the end of chapter 2, he comes with this statement, salvation belongs to the Lord. And it's fun because through both chapters, Jonah experiences both of these things, right? He experiences the fear of the Lord and then he experiences the saving hand of the Lord. He knew that they were real. Like fear, the question comes to us. Do we understand that salvation belongs to the Lord? Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55. Verses 8 and 9. State this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heaven... The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts are not like ours, which is actually a great thing, right? Because He has mercy on His enemies. He brings salvation to a world that rejects Him, who doesn't honor Him, this is an amazing thing about the character and nature of God. He loves us and He shows us that love. Paul writes this in Romans. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would, would dare even to die. But God shows us his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And we are justified, right, in that, in that mantra of the Reformation, by faith alone and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. The whole of justification, sanctification, and glorification is by the grace of God. We need to tell ourselves and to tell the world not to seek vain things because salvation 
belongs to the Lord above. Well, let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Well, Father God, we we thank you for today. We thank you that you are with us in our walk with you. That as, that as trials and temptations and struggles come, that we can seek mercy and grace in our time of need. And give you glory through our days. Help us seek to do that. To walk with you. To not quench the Spirit. To not grieve the Spirit. But to be about being an instrument of righteousness. Whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, that we would be about your will and way, Lord. That as, as we've looked at the book of Jonah, that we would fear you, and that we would know that salvation is yours alone, and that we would share that with those around us. That we would point to you, Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and proclaim that salvation is yours. Be with us through our day. Help us if we need rest, to rest. If we need to work, to work well. Prepare us for the week before us. That we may uh, be about you, God. Be, be with the seniors. Be with Toby as he leaves. Be with others traveling. And thank you, Lord, for, for this day. Thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for your son. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.